I'm Jenny Rerick. I'm Jay Weedle. And you're listening to the Fit to Speak podcast. A show dedicated to giving coaches and trainers practical tips on how to communicate what they know in a way other people understand. Hey, everybody. I'm going to take the next five episodes. I'm going to take five small episodes. I don't know if they'll be in the same order, but the next five episodes to talk a little bit about being a personal trainer in a one-on-one personal training session for maybe 30 to 60 minutes and specifically about communication within that small setting. Each episode is probably going to be 10 minutes, 15 minutes at most. This one might be a little bit longer just because I'm going to do a quick overview of the subject first and then we'll dive in to the first of five buckets of communication specifically within that category that I just mentioned. Jenny and I have mentioned many times before that communication is the tool that we use to do our jobs. So we're always communicating with the information that we put out on our websites and social media, our body language when we're in front of people, the way we're perceived in visually, the words that we say, the tonality, the volume, all those things. So communication is a really broad topic. My experience as a personal trainer for the last almost a decade now allows me to talk a little bit more specifically about one-on-one personal training within a gym setting. In my opinion, there are three key components that make up a great training session. The first one is logistics. Then it's the training itself. And then the communication is the overarching key component. So the logistics require good time management skills and, and for us to be prepared. So there you can think about having your program, setting up the space, knowing what equipment you're going to use. That's logistics. Are you on time? The training itself is the X's and O's, the physiology, the biology, the the specificity, the progressive overload. I think they're more like the programming that you're writing from a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, and even maybe a longer block of programming. And it also consideration consideration of the the limitations and the goals that, that your clients might have. And then we'll get down to communication. Communication is the linchpin skill. For, for all coaches and trainers, because as I just mentioned, and as we talked about before, communication is the tool that we use to do our jobs. It helps, obviously, to be a whiz in the training department. So it helps to know all the, the, the deep dive of methodology and, and physiology. Having said that, I'll say that most coaches that I run into are probably focusing more on the X's and O's to a point of diminishing returns at this point, because... Well, for the most of us, their clients or our clients just don't need to know that stuff. They're just not advanced enough to need those advanced methods. Most of us are working with general populations, so we probably don't need to write super intricate training programs or communicate it in a really intricate way because the vast majority of people have a general health and fitness goal. And so approaching a general health and fitness goal likely doesn't require a deep dive into the nuances of biology and physiology. And if it does then the way we communicate that needs to be communicated to what our clients actually value. The reason I feel that way is because more training knowledge at this point likely isn't the key to making a bigger impact or having more clients or being more successful or making more money as a personal trainer. Because as I said, the vast majority of us work with general population. There's maybe some people who are elite athletes in that five top 10% there. And then there's other people who are nuanced, who are working in the bottom five, 10% of specialist cases. So a disproportionate return on investment or a largely disproportionate return on investment is going to be gained from becoming a better communicator. And I guess that's the general idea here of this, this whole podcast. 
But in this mini series, as I mentioned, we'll talk about each episode will be dedicated to one of the five following areas within a single training session underneath that communication umbrella. Number one, the session start. I often think of that as readiness. That's maybe the first two, three, maybe five minutes at most. Then it's the framing. And you might blend those first two together. You might gather the readiness and the start of the session and then go into the framing. It's rapport building, which is constantly ongoing. It's feedback, how we solicit it, how we give it, whether it's necessary. And then it's the wrap up. What's the, what's the summary that we're giving our clients? So that's the general overview here. So let's jump straight into that first bucket. The first bucket is what I like to think of as the session start or understanding the readiness. So I'll call it the readiness section of my client in front of me. So at the start of the training session, it's important that we set the tone for the hour for the client. Because the initial communication is really important and it should be geared towards understanding the client's state of readiness as they come in. And the reason I say that is because we work with a wide variety of clients. And so I've used these two examples before, but I've worked with Executive Joe and I've worked with Grandma Betty. Now, Grandma Betty has pretty low stress, no obligations. She comes in two days a week. Great. She's rarely stressed. She's almost always ready to go. She's fresh as a daisy, as an 85-year-old can be. Executive Joe, however, sometimes I see him on midday on a Friday. He's already done four and a half days. He's stressed to the eyeballs. He's got loads of obligations. He's trying to get out of the office. But right after he sees me, he's got to go back into work and take a phone call with a foreign partner. The level of stress and readiness that those two people bring in, not to mention their difference in personality, is going to be different. And I need to be able to tailor my communication to their level of readiness. So that's why I start here is trying to understand what are they bringing into the session into the session today it also allows me and primes me to be able to communicate the next section what we're about to do today better to that person okay so i'll give you an example of how we do this or, or at least why we do this because having this short battery of questions is also very reliable and very predictable from a client standpoint as well. So they know they need to be thinking as they approach the gym, whether consciously or subconsciously, Jay is going to ask me what my readiness level is today. And I need to think about that and what I'm willing to give to the session. So it pays to think of some questions that are, can allow you to, to gauge what the client's bringing in so that you can better tailor the program to their needs and preferences and, and goals for that day. It also goes some way to set in the tone of keeping the training front and center. Everybody has had that client that's come straight in. And if you don't get them really early within the training session and set the intention about the training, then it can very easily go off the rails because they can start telling you about this crazy thing that they saw on the way to the gym or this crazy week that they've been having. And it can very easily derail some of the short amount of time that you have with that person and, and divulge kind of very quickly or slide off very quickly into the person ranting and kind of dumping things into the training session rather than us being able to curate a strong training session from the start. An example of how I do this is I will ask the question after I've said my general hellos and the person's come in and they meet me on the training floor on a scale of one to 10, how ready are you feeling today? I'm asking a specific question and they have to think of a specific number. Now, if somebody says to me, I'm a 10 out of 10, probably not going to follow up. I'm going to take that initial motivation. I'm going to get right into the training. Or I'm going to get right into the framing. I'm going to match their, that person's motivation. And then I'm going to get going. If, however, somebody says I'm a five out of 10, I might ask a follow-up question because maybe I need to know a little bit more. 
And so one of the follow-up questions that I'd ask is, okay, well, why did you choose that number? Asking that follow-up question also allows me to go back to, okay, I understand you feel this, this, and this way, and that's why you chose that number. Rather than me just giving such a general question, how are you feeling today, leaves the door open for, as I mentioned before, the person just kind of dumping all their feelings into the training session. And although that's important, it's probably not our best return on our investment as a personal trainer is, especially when we're trying to get this person results. If I asked any follow-up question after that, or I needed to ask any follow-up question after that, I would might ask, what can we do today to increase that number? Or an alternative to that is, and this is a, an, a common one, especially for people who are typically high stress and they see later on in the week is, what do you need today's session to be like in order to feel successful? So I'm giving them an opportunity to say, do you know what? I don't want to think, I just want to do. And although the training is probably going to be the same as to whether I'm telling them what to do, or getting them to do it. It allows me to tailor my communication. I'm not talking to a brick wall if I'm really interested in what we're doing, but the person is not that interested in what they were doing. As long as they get it done, that might just be the anomaly for the week. And although I don't wanna set that tone all the time, I want them to understand why they're doing what they're doing. That's my preference. If that person needs today to be this more focused, less thoughtful environment, then I'm going to curate that a little bit more because I'm going to try and match that person person's expectation. In summary here, during this readiness section, it is important that we take a minute to understand our client's level of preparedness and then that we let that guide how we'll frame the work that we're going to do together for that day. You can think of this as like your litmus test. This is what sets the tone. So it's important that we have some specific questions, get a good grip to begin with of what this person is bringing in. And then I can ask more thoughtful questions or further questions if necessary. And I use that sentence specifically, if necessary. Because as I said, if that person is a 10 out of 10, I probably don't need to ask any further questions. We're going to get right down to business and maximize our time together. As a bonus to this, it, I guess it also helps to think that what else this allows you to, to do. So I just mentioned a minute ago, it's about matching expectations. If you ask this question, you can match this person's expectations and then you can gradually elevate them. If a person comes in at a five and you are a 10, there is a massive gap between the two personalities that are talking. It can really easily feel like you're dragging this person through the training session rather than meeting them where they are and just gradually nudging them up and letting the training do the work for you, letting the endorphins get going, giving them some opportunities to be successful. The smaller the disparity between the two levels of expectations, the better we're going to do as a coach, period. It also allows you to give an opportunity to show some empathy and some care. And so when we get to the rapport building component of this subsection, which is episode three, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but you're setting the tone of, hey, I care. I care about what you're bringing in today. And I want to make sure that I meet that. And I'm still going to push you hard, but I'm still going to push you hard from a position that you actually are in rather than me trying to drag you through the training session because nobody really enjoys that as a trainer or as a client. It also gives you time, which is so valuable because it gives you time to modify anything that's coming up if you feel like you need to. If somebody says, you know what, I've had a really long day. I've been walking with clients or I've been in a meeting, a standing meeting, and my back's killing me. I, I might make some modifications. I might make some considerations to what we might do in the warm up. Now, if they tell you that early, you have time to 
to prepare and be responsive rather than them getting two thirds away through the training session and saying, oh, my back's killing me and you having to be reactive. You don't want to get caught off guard by those, I guess, kind of complaints or, or injury or any additional stress later on. You don't want to get blindsided or, you know, kind of sidetracked by it. I'll leave it there. There's lots of things to take away from this. Understanding the readiness of your client when they first walk in is absolutely imperative. And it is a really strong foundation to build the rest of your communication for the rest of the training session from. I'm really excited to dive into the next four episodes. That's all I've got for you today. Thanks for listening. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to the show. As this is a podcast about communication, we value and welcome your input, any feedback you have and questions about how we could make the show even better for you. We'd love it if you click the link in the show notes to do so.